The following podcast is a Dear Media production. It actually became clear to me like when I was on the floor there struggling for my life, I had the, like I knew that what got me there was lying to myself. I knew that I had spent now years trying to avoid the fact that I just did not feel good, that I had a problem, that something was wrong inside of me. And um, I didn't want to admit it. And because I didn't want to admit it, I kept like running into like the arms of pleasure. Like I kept like trying to, you know, smoke my way out of it, party my way out of it, drink my way out of it, or even just surround myself with as many people as possible so that I wouldn't be alone. Hi, everybody. It's Kat Sadler, and this is It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. I've spent decades in TV broadcasting and conducted hundreds, if not thousands, of interviews in the span of my career. And on this show, the conversations continue. My goal is that every episode feels entirely brand new, but also like coming home. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. It's Kat. Welcome to It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. And boy, are you in for a treat today. I'm so glad that you landed here. Your freedom is in this episode. I mean it. I'm telling you it's transformative because I am in conversation with New York Times bestselling author, Young Pueblo. Maybe you follow him on Instagram. You could be one of the millions like Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, Ava DuVernay, Kristen Bell, Glennon Doyle's a fan. Who doesn't love Young Pueblo? And it's because of the way he connects with people. His words are just incredibly beautiful and comforting. And I have to say, at one of my personal darkest times of my life, I can say that he single-handedly was a, a part of my own healing. And so to now call him a friend, my gosh, this is the second time I've been in conversation with Diego. His real name is Diego Perez. So if you are ready for your own spiritual journey, if you've been curious about meditating, if you just don't feel awesome in your body or you are plagued with past stuff that you're still carrying around, this is the episode for you because he shares his personal story. And let me tell you, this is somebody who grew up in extreme poverty. This is someone who was battling drug and alcohol addiction. You know, he was staring death in the face and had this completely transformative moment that woke him up to the possibilities of healing himself, how he did it, why he meditates, what this journey has been like for him and what it can look like for you. It's so, so cool. Young Pueblo's brand new book, Lighter, debuted at number one. It's still currently on the top 10 list at the New York Times. So grab your book. It can be a nice companion to this conversation. And then I want to read you just a little excerpt because, gosh, there's just so much goodness in this book. I can't put it down. And he's going to address so much of what is on the page in just a moment. But let me just read you this. It'll give you an idea of what you're in for. Let go more than once. Let go when an old pattern wants to drag you back into the past. Let go when narratives run wild in your mind. Let go every time you try to cause yourself extra trouble. There is healing in repetition. Soon, P 
peace will feel familiar. Ah, peace. Who doesn't want to feel that? Especially here we are in November, this time of year, it can be so stressful and even painful for people. So I encourage you to listen to this episode. I think it's going to arm you with everything you need. And then I just want to let you know there's going to be kind of a sequel episode to this next week. I'm doing kind of like a a well-being series. Next week, I am joined by Debbie Brown. She is a master well-being educator. She is the chief impact officer at Chopra Global. And she too is going to be talking about the power of meditation and why it is so good for us, where we can find our peace, especially again this time of year. So powerful stuff. I know you guys are going to love it. Don't forget to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or tag me on IG and let me know what you think. So let's get to it. Here he is, my friend, Young Pueblo. It sure is a beautiful day, and I say that a lot because that's the name of this show, but Diego Perez, Young Pueblo, my friend, congratulations on everything. I'm so, so happy for you. Lighter, the second week, as we are speaking right now, on the New York Times bestsellers list. How does that feel? It feels rather unimaginable. Honestly, I am pretty surprised by it. I, you know, had a sense that the book was going to do well but I did not think that we were going to debut as number one. So it's a real surprise. Well, you're very humbled, but you know, you've had a a pretty remarkable track record already with Inward and Clarity and Connection. And obviously your following and your fan base and, and your seekers that follow your word are just, it's like we cannot get enough. So it's funny because the last time I talked to you, it was a little over a year ago, you had kind mm-hmm. of alluded to the fact that you were in the middle of writing yeah. lighter at the time, but this is, it's a different offering for you. And the thing that stands yeah. out the very most to me, which I personally loved so very much is the, the, the introduction, just your story. I mean, it's called my story. Mm-hmm. And I have to say for everybody listening, like don't even just read the book, listen to the book because I have the audible as well. And like hearing you speak your story was so touching. I I was just like so moved by the power of that whole bit. So tell everybody kind of why you wanted to include that this time and what really was the impetus for Lighter. Yeah, I wanted to um, kind of come out of the shadows a bit because it really felt like, you know, I wanted to create this book lighter where it had everything that I thought was important about personal transformation, about healing, about relationships, and how all that connects to potential global transformation as well. But something was missing in the book. It it was missing like where, like where was all this coming from? And that's when I had to share that, you know, I have this immigrant background, like I was born in Ecuador, I I moved here with my family when I was about four years old, and just showing how that difficulty, like it really had a big effect on my mind and seeing Mm -hmm. my parents struggle with paying the rent every month, with figuring out how to get food on the table and seeing that happen, not over a small period of time, but over like the vast majority of my youth, it was tough. Like it really embedded a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear and a scarcity mindset in me that when I got older, like when I got to college, it snowballed into like all of these really unhealthy habits that 
where I was, you know, abusing drugs, partying way too much, just constantly trying to get away from my own emotions. And it ended up, um, you know, me sort of being on the ground, literally rock bottom and almost losing my life at the age of 23 because I had used way too many drugs. And in that moment, I knew that something big had to change. I needed to figure out how to make my mind lighter. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, your your words were just so beautiful in the way you described that time in your life and that that moment, like you said, that actual moment. I felt like I was like with you on the floor and in that mm. moment where you described that you were vacillating between gratitude and regret and you were really like thinking your heart was going to explode and actually yeah. not live you know, many people can relate to having a rock bottom. And and luckily for some people listening, maybe they overcame a really, really dark time like that. But I think it's so interesting that right away, it seems through the book and everyone will go and get it and read the whole story for themselves. But it seems like you kind of got to work right away after that moment. Yeah. Like you, you just went to work and you knew that you had to work your way out of that point in your life. And you, and you so clearly explained that radical honesty is step one. So for people <laughs> listening, because we're going to get into healing, we're going to get into meditation, we're going to get into personal transformation versus global transformation or the both of them, obviously, and why that's important. But like, that is such a, like, it seems obvious, but like you can't get anywhere if you're not being honest with yourself. And so many people have trouble with that. It's like, we can spend our whole lives just lying to ourselves and and repeating the same things over and over and over. And I think that's how people get stuck. So how did you even know that the honesty piece <laughs> was like the most important, like jump off point? I mean, it actually became clear to me like when I was on the floor there struggling for my life, I had the, like, I knew that what got me there was lying to myself. I knew that I had spent now years trying to avoid the fact that I just did not feel good, that I had a problem, that something was wrong inside of me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to admit it. And because I didn't want to admit it, I kept like, running into like the arms of pleasure. Like I kept like trying to, you know, smoke my way out of it, party my way out of it, drink my way out of it, or even just surround myself with as many people as possible so that I wouldn't be alone. And when I was on the floor, it hit me. It was like, well, if lying got me here, then telling myself the truth can hopefully get me out. And that's really like, you know, I got to work quickly after that because I knew that I just couldn't continue on that same path. Like if I kept going in that direction, I was going to die. So I didn't have an option. Like I had to go a different way. And what it looked like was being at home and realizing that, okay, whenever I feel sadness, whenever I feel anxiety, what I would normally do is like either roll up another joint or do something or just like keep myself inebriated in some manner. And I was like, okay, let me challenge myself to just sit with it. And this is before I even started meditating. I would just like literally sit on my bed five, 10, 15 minutes and just let myself feel the discomfort that arose. Mm. And it was surprisingly helpful. Like it helped start building this like mental strength so that I wasn't like immediately controlled by whatever I was feeling. Yes. I feel like so many people, especially in our modern day times with everything that's going on. I mean, you know, addiction and numbing and 
pleasure seeking. I mean, whether it's like actual drugs and alcohol or whether it is, you know, the distraction of our screens or whether it's, you know, social media, all the things like people are going everywhere, but in, you know, but sitting with all the same feelings that you were describing about yourself, sadness, anxiety, loneliness, just such an unsettled, tense feeling that people are walking around with. And sadly, I mean, I see it all the time and I've been guilty of it as well. You know, I'm doing my own work every day, but it's like, I see it in my children and I'm just like, it's almost like some people, people don't even realize it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, this is our new norm. This is how we operate. This is, this is normal. You know, you hit your rock bottom and the light bulb goes off. The unlock started to begin for you. But for, for people, you know, out there today that, that need that kind of that, that shift or something to kind of awaken them to get the journey started, any advice Mm -hmm. for, for those people? Yeah, I think for a lot of people, I would say for the vast majority of people, like you do not need a rock bottom moment. Like you don't you don't need to wait for that because even if you've experienced serious trauma or not, like you have to understand that when you're feeling intense emotions, like there's a lot of reacting to those emotions happening and those reactions actually accumulate in your mind and they predispose you to feeling those, you know, feeling in that same manner over and over again. So when you realize that your past is actually sort of making your present very rigid and it's sort of making the space of your present very tight so that you just keep repeating the past over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that's not a great way to live. So that's why it's so valuable to turn that lens inward because when you start really seeing yourself clearly, that's what creates that mental spaciousness so that you can then start making decisions that feel more aligned, that feel more vibrant, that feel more like who you are now and who you want to be as opposed to who you were before. And I think that's like probably one of the biggest reasons why you want to invest in yourself by just observing yourself. Mm-hmm. Observing yourself, sitting with it, feeling all the feelings. We hear that a lot about just feeling it and, and sitting with it is okay. And then we don't have to do the running and we don't have to do the numbing and how that will really, really serve us over time. We hear about healing. This word is around a lot. You know, your book, let go of the past, connect with the present and expand the future. So we're, you know, a lot of people are looking into their past and then trying to be present. And then what all this means for a possible future for both ourselves personally and humanity, but healing, you know, you, you've been so vulnerable and open about, you know, your childhood and being an immigrant from Ecuador and your family coming Mm. over and the extreme poverty with which you lived your entire childhood and all that goes along with that. And I think about people listening and all of our own stories and people, you know, who were maybe raised in an abusive household or people who maybe Mm -hmm. had absentee parents and didn't have any emotional love. Like everybody's kind of got their own thing. However, some people maybe had the fairy tale. Maybe their parents were always married. Maybe they had a great upbringing. Maybe they're those like well-adjusted adults who do pretty well and make good choices. Does everybody need healing? Does everybody need to go through this? Or are some people just not necessarily in the same boat as the rest of us? Wow, that's a great question. I actually think that we can all benefit from healing. And I really believe that because even if we've had the best parents, a great upbringing, 
we don't quite see that the mind is just it's taking in that conditioning and it, it it will restrict your sort of opportunities what's available to you and how you want to act and i think probably the most beautiful part of life is the fact that if we wanted to we could grow like we could grow as individuals and it's actually pretty hard to remain the same to have this sort of like static sense of identity yeah. because ultimately if you understand nature, like nature is built on change. It's, so that means that if we try to stay the same, then it's just going to hurt. Like it's, mm -hmm. you know, like the rushing river of change is moving in one direction and you're trying to stay still, ah. just getting hit by all of that. So you're much better off learning how to flow and embrace that moving aspect of nature and allow yourself to, you know, let go of parts of yourself that you don't really need anymore that may have been around you you know, with you for a while, for a number of years, but then you realize, oh, I actually want to evolve in different directions. I want to cultivate new habits. I want to cultivate new interests and just let yourself be a flowing, changing being. Mm -hmm. I think we can all benefit from that. Yes, man, I can relate to that. I talk with a lot of women about being in midlife and being in this new season of life. And, you know, we go through all of these changes as we get older and whatnot, but like, I, I kind of find myself, like I think of myself as a pretty happy person. I've definitely done some work. I do my, my yoga, I do some meditating and whatnot, but you know, what you just speak of is I think one of my biggest struggles is almost letting go of an older identity or the yeah. things that like put me in the media and working for mm -hmm. an E and covering celebrities and like, so many of the people that come to hear me are attached to that. So I almost yeah. feel a certain obligation that I still have to be that person they came to know. And so it's really hard. I find myself in conflict sometimes when I want to talk to you about this kind of thing and everyone about this kind of thing all day long and wellness and, and personal growth and all these subjects. But I, I'm afraid because I feel like I'm going to lose so many people in that process. Oh, that's really interesting. But you know, on, on the flip side of that, right? I feel like we're sort of entering into this new sort of phase where social media has shown people to be more complete, right? So like now people who follow you online, like they're seeing a, a bigger glimpse of your life and not just like this sort of the one version of Kat Sadler. And I think in some ways, like the audiences, like people are more interested in like watching you evolve as an individual because mm. it's like, yeah, like, you know, we'll all have these different phases. And this is something that's been sort of swirling in my mind is like, like I've written three books. I, I'm, I think I'm going to write two more, but I don't know what's going to happen after that. You know, I don't know if I'm always going to be a writer. I feel like this is like a really valuable part of my life, but I don't know if that will always continue. And right. I, I kind of want to be open to see what will happen next. Right. Like, yeah. like leaning into the impermanence and the uncertainty totally. and the beauty of that flowing river. Oh, and I love what you said. Thank you. That That is actually really comforting. And I do think if I'm being honest, I do know that. I know that, know that, like deep within mm -hmm. that I, this is where I'm supposed to be. But, but I would be lying if I didn't say that there isn't a part of me that's a little scared about that, like letting go, probably shedding that yeah. other self. And I'm sure a lot of people struggle with that in regards to wherever they are in their own lives. I want to talk about meditation because you write about mm -hmm. it a lot in the book and it was so, so, so instrumental in your growth and going from knowing things, because a lot of us read our books and we study things, but then the wisdom that came mm -hmm. to you through meditation. And 
I feel like especially a lot of the people that that listen to this show are really curious. You know, some people listening might meditate some, some might be hardcore meditators, but I feel like the majority of people are like, Hmm, kind of like what I know you've addressed. Like we're in this moment where more and more people are leaning in to, to what it means, what the possibilities are. And it's funny because I just, the timing is wild. The universe is so amazing because I have never really formally explored meditation until this week, Diego, like literally, Wow, yeah. <laughs> like I've done my apps and I've done like 10 minutes here and there and I know how to be still and I actually love to be still, but I took my first transcendental meditation course this week. Great. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. But there's, so there's been more structure, I guess, to my meditation mm -hmm. approach than ever before. And I kid you not for the first time in my life, like, I, this aha thing came over me even on day one, which is wild yeah. where I was just like, Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, yeah. Oh, it was like, it was like the, the quietest, deepest. I tapped into something that yeah. I maybe haven't since maybe I was born. I don't know what, but like I got into a being a part of myself and when you were describing that in the book, like then I, I understood it. Like you, you write about it so beautifully about this other universe that's just there and it's in all of us and it's waiting for all of us to kind of explore. So can you describe it a little bit for everybody listening? Like what meditation is to you and what is available mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to everyone? Because I think there's some misconceptions about it too and not everyone really understands it fully. Totally. I think, um, and it's, it's hard. It's a hard thing to explain because there are a lot of meditation modalities, like a yeah. lot of different lineages, traditions. Yeah. And so to try to say like, this is like, this is what meditating is becomes quite difficult because, right. you know, different meditations will have different goals or different qualities that are developing your mind. I think generally a lot of meditations are focused on developing the awareness of the present moment. And that's an incredible skill to develop because the mind is constantly swinging into the past, swinging into the present. And it's like, you know, either craving something, hating something. And in the present moment, like that's where you actually find peace. So I practice Vipassana meditation taught by SN Gwenka. And this is a lineage that comes out of Burma. And it's a tradition that originates from the Buddhist teaching. And what we try to do is basically observe reality as it is by observing ourselves within the framework of the body. So we'll get to basically study like the laws of the universe by observing what's happening in our own bodies. So not only will you learn about yourself and, you know, how you function in your mind, but you'll also learn about the fabric of reality. And one thing that we come in contact with is the truth of impermanence. And that's why I talk about change so much, because it's probably the number one thing that I study and, I, and not study in terms of reading, but study in terms of experiencing, like literally feeling change happening. And that truth it's so incredibly powerful and liberating because not only do you realize that oh i can change right i can evolve i can let go and i can become a better person or or just allow myself to flourish in good ways but everything around me is changing and that inspires you to be present with the people that you love because they're not always going to be there the situation isn't always going to be the same and at the same time it not only inspires you to be more present but it inspires you and helps you understand that the storms that happen, the difficulties of life, they're not going to last forever. They're another changing situation, just like everything else. So 
these silent 10 day courses that I started off with, they're, they're just so powerful. You know, like they, I remember like when I finished the first one that I did back in July of 2012, I was shocked because I was like, man, I was like, my, my mind really does feel lighter. Like I feel better. And it was funny because what, similar to what you're saying, like the results were immediate. Like I was like, whoa, I was like, something is different here. Like I can literally feel like my mind lost weight. And it's like, how can your mind lose weight? You know, it's just, it's a very strange conception, but, but we, you know, it's uh, the results are there and that's why we keep going back. Yes. And, and, and that's such a key piece. Why we keep going back. Like, you know, if one is like zoomed way out, it could feel like work to do, put it on the calendar, has to be done, check it off the list. But it's like you want to meditate because of the power that is available to you. You describe it as like being in high definition, like life just gets like on this crazy Crisp. death yeah. frequency. And that's mm. what I want people to know is like that's available to you. And 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 yes, what that can do for your own transformation, but what that can do for all of us connected, the interconnectedness of all of us, what's going on. Totally. The, um, and it's funny because the, the powerful aspect of it, like for the, the type of meditation, the Vipassana that I do, like one of the major goals of it is, is cultivating equ- equanimity, right? Like balance of mind so that you can observe something without craving it or without having aversion towards it. You're just observing it as it is. And what that ends up doing is that over time, as you keep practicing, you won't react to things as intensely as before. So you're able to, you know, like you'll still feel the same emotions like everybody else, but when anger arises, it just won't be as intense as it used to be. Or when sadness arises, it won't be as like dense as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And, but you also have this funny kind of side effect where, and this is what happened to me, like where I just started becoming more creative. Like because my mind started like losing that density like all this creativity started bubbling up and like, I don't meditate to be a writer. Like I don't meditate to be creative. Like I meditate for my freedom, but the side effect was like, whoa, like I should start writing. And it's funny because I think that happens to a lot of people mm-hmm. and not just like, oh, you, you'll, you'll be a writer, but it's like, whatever, whatever your craft is, this like creativity gets imbued into it. And it starts, you know, whether you're a doctor or a presenter or an artist, whatever it is, like, your craft gets like rejuvenated almost. That is so cool and so beautiful. And certainly another reason, one of many, why maybe people will get turned on to it, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. You talk about relationships a lot in this book and whether it's friendships or romantic relationships, how did meditation serve you and your own wife and your own life and your own growth with your own personal partner? Because that was a big piece of, of you guys as a, a partnership, right? Totally. Yeah. We, um, so my wife and I, we were together for six years before we both started meditating. And during that time, it was just like pretty chaotic. Like we just, we didn't, we didn't know ourselves well. Mm -hmm. And when we started meditating, the first thing that became clear was like, oh, you're not the problem. The problem's up here in my head. Like I'm actually creating these narratives and trying to figure out how to place blame on you, you know, in those moments when we would have conflicts but really the issue is like the way that I'm perceiving things and the way that I'm reacting to what I'm perceiving. And it's all like in here in my mind. And it's, it was so funny how, you know, when we would, when we would argue in the past, we were both trying to win. Like we were really trying to win and it would be like these little wars that, and, and like, and, and you know, we both do the finger pointing and all of that. 
But as we started meditating over the years, like harmony slowly started creeping into our relationship. And what it looked like was self-awareness. You know, it was both of us being aware, aware of ourselves. And now, as opposed to trying to win, our goal is to try to understand each other. You know, so we do our best that, you know, conflict will come, but we're like, oh, how, like, you know, what's happening inside you? Like, tell me about you and how you're seeing things. And then we'll take turns. Like, I'll listen to her selflessly. She'll listen to me selflessly, like as selflessly as we can to just do our best to understand each other. And when we understand where each other is coming from, the tension just pretty naturally goes away and we're able to just move forward without even needing any one individual to win, you know? Yes, 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 yes. I mean, that reminds me a little bit of something else you say in the book about most of us, you know, if we haven't been doing the work or aren't healed, we're not seeing with our eyes, we're seeing with our emotions. So mm, kind of like yes. that dynamic in a relationship, you were you were feeling your way through your issues. You weren't really seeing the reality of the situation. I mean, I think people do totally. all the time within you know, relationships and the patterns and the, like that same repeated behavior over and over and over again, that drives people crazy. And they want to just bang their heads against the walls because they can't get anywhere. And then it's like one failed relationship after another failed relationship, no matter how many of the people it's like, you just nailed it. It's like, it's not even necessarily the person or the partner. It's how we are perceiving everything all the time based on once again, our past. Yeah. I mean, you're hitting out a lot of really important points there. Like Obviously, there are going to be times where someone does something to you and they do need to apologize. They did cause you harm in some manner. But after that moment is over, what ends up happening to most of us is that we're the ones reliving it. We're like replaying this thing and just giving it more and more of our energy. And we haven't figured out how to like process and, you know, basically do what we need to do with our emotions so that we can let it go. And the other side too, is that understanding that when you're looking at another individual or a situation, like you're seeing it through particular lenses, like you're seeing it through your current emotion, how you currently feel. And you're also seeing it through the lens of your past emotional history. So that, that's pretty thick. Like, you know, when we're actually interacting with reality, it has to go through these really thick filter of emotions. And then we make our perception. So we're not really getting what's actually happening. And it was a funny story. Like um, my wife, she just rewatched the movie that she saw a few years ago. And she was like, oh, this movie is so bad. You know, I think it was the movie um, Lady Bird. And then we just rewatched it yesterday. And I was like, I was telling her, I was like, oh, you should watch it again because it's actually really good. <laughs> so we we're sitting there and we we're rewatching it. And when the movie was over, she was like, oh, I loved it. And she was like, oh, I realized I was just in a bad mood when I watched it the first time. Wow. Right. <laughs> right? That's, yeah. you know, that sounds like a similar thing. Something people ask me a lot in interviews or will be like, you know, who did you have you interviewed over the years or what celebrity, you know, just really was a disappointment or whatever. And I'd be like, it's so unfair to ever, first of all, say that about somebody. But secondly, oh, like, yeah. 
I could get them on a Monday and they're going to be one way and you get them on that, you know, three weeks later, there are human beings. They're not, you know, you can't totally make a judgment on a single person in 10 minutes time spent with them. Yeah. Can you, can you imagine if you're interviewing someone at the end of like a three month, like tour or something, they're going to be exhausted. They, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and, and you probably know that better than anybody right now, being out and doing the, the book tour and the press tour and, and what must that must be de depleting in some ways. Is it? Are you there yet? It's strange. Yeah, it's not. I, I really enjoy writing, but the talking about myself is not my favorite thing. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, it, it's kind of clear because I like made a pen name and all that stuff. But but it's it's been fine. I've I've what it actually has helped me a lot was saying no. Like my publisher had this whole idea for this like tour that was like three times bigger and all this stuff. And I was like, no, no. I was like, I, if I if I do what you want me to do, I'm just gonna get sick. Like I'm just gonna, you know, exhaust myself. Where if I'm like on a plane every like two days, I'm just gonna burn out. So I had to just decrease what they wanted me to do by like sixty percent. Wow. And, and it's been great. You know, like I, I had to put my foot down, just be like, I got to do it my way and do less. And the less has been more because I've been able to show up better because um, I'm just not exhausted. Yeah. 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 That's so, so good that you can identify that and then practice that. For those of us who are fans of yours and are reading all of your offerings, I just subscribed to the newsletter today. I'm like, oh, I get more. There's a longer version. <laughs> I'm going to get that too. That's great. I was trying to like envision you in your world because, yeah. you know, I think people, you know, it's almost like, first of all, you have a pen name, right? Like you're Diego, but a young Pueblo is like this other kind of mystical, like association <laughs> with you almost. And then you're like, yeah. You're the the guy behind the page and and people don't really get to know you the human being or have this kind of access to you and i'm sure that's partially intentional but i was like you know trying to imagine your life and i, I was thinking about you before and what you've shared about you know diego the party diego or the sad diego or the like mm -hmm, extroverted mm -hmm. diego and now you know you've shifted into a new version of yourself what would people be surprised to know about your days or how you live your life or what you're doing? You know, I'm looking at you now, you're the sun shining through the <laughs> window. I don't know if you're at home or where you are, but like, what does your world look like? Oh, that's such a nice question. Thank you for asking. I think a lot of people don't. Um, my life nowadays has become very simple. I think I've, because one of the things that I've been trying to develop is like, just being okay with being alone. Mm -hmm. And so I don't need as many people around me as I used to. Like when I was in my early twenties, like I would constantly be with friends and, and I love my friends. I love them so much, but I don't want to be using people, right? Like I don't want to be using people to like escape from myself. So my day to day now, it's like it's my wife and I, we live in Western Massachusetts, like in the woods, basically in this like really tiny town. And we just work from home and you know, we'll like watch movies or TV shows in the evening after we're done with working. We'll meditate together two hours a day. We'll cook together. And it's pretty like simple living, like between the two of us. And other than that, because of the, the you know, the new book, like we'll travel to New York like a few times a month or, you know, I'm going to go to London soon. So it's time where it's like simple, but we also do a lot of traveling for events together. But the best thing is like, 
we work together now. Like, you know, we, we, we run everything together and she is my manager and having her as like the boss has been fantastic. Cause like, she knows me, she knows my values. So she's very good about, you know, saying yes and no very quickly for me. So I love that. Uh-huh. And yeah, but, um, but it's a, it's a pretty quiet life, I think. And quieter than I thought it would become if I like, you know, if, if you had asked me when I was 20, like what life would look like when I was 34, I would not have described this. Yeah. I'm curious and, and forgive me for not knowing, but are your parents still with us? Yes. Yeah, they both are. Okay. Well, I, if you're able to share, I just, I think about, you know, your, your upbringing and, and how hardworking your parents were and how dedicated mm-hmm. you your you and your siblings and, so much has happened for you. And as a parent, I'm thinking, oh, they must be so happy for your success and so proud of you. Like what did yeah. you make of your, your offerings and your life today? I, so I have to tell you this tiny story. So when I was in New York for my event, for the launch for Lighter, we did a big event at the 92nd Street Y and it sold out. It was like 900 people in this huge auditorium. And my mom and dad came, they live in Boston and they came and I told my wife before the event happened, I was like, you know, if I could figure out a way to have my parents stand up and everybody clap for them, like I would, you know, I want to make that happen. And my, my wife, she, very smart. She was like, she was like, if it happens naturally, let it happen, but don't force it to happen. And I was like, great, great advice. And when Elena Brower, my friend, she was interviewing me, I saw she was like, you know, talking about my parents and asking me a similar question. And then I was like, in my mind, I was like, oh my God, I was like, here's my chance. It's, it's happening right now. And the moment she passed the ball to me to answer, I was like, you know, my parents are actually here. I was like, mommy and Bobby, can you stand up? And the crowd goes, I don't even have to ask them. They just go wild. They just start clapping for them so hard. And my mom and dad are just like, they've never received, you know, that type of attention before from so many people. And my dad, I can tell he's like, you know, really emotional. And my mom is just like wowed out of her mind. And I wanted them to feel a little, you know, some of the sort of the kindness that comes in my direction, because I, I, I wanted to make it clear to the audience, like, it's because of them, like, it's really because of them that I'm here. And because of them that I'm able to, you know, share my reflections with you. And and they're just so happy. You know, they're really, really happy. And in the beginning, when things started becoming bigger, my parents, they didn't know what the New York Times was. Like, they didn't know, you know, like a lot of these sort of more American accolades that you can get. Mm-hmm. And, but they knew that things were getting bigger when the newspaper that they would read in Ecuador, when they reached out to me and they they wanted to like write an article about what I was up to and all that stuff. And um my parents at that moment, they were like, whoa, like this is getting big. (laughs) (laughs) That is so beautiful. That is so, so cool. Gosh, that warms my heart so much. That is such a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. That is so cool. Well, you know, I was also thinking because about your parents and, and you kind of alluded to it earlier. You're like, okay, we're here. We are, we're on the third book and you, you know, mentioned you have two others that you are apparently wanting to write or will write Mm -hmm. beyond that you just really don't give it much thought because i i was thinking that i mean it's it's hard to not ask that and you know some people obviously you can only control so much and and some people like to have that 
10, 20 year plan. Some people don't like yeah. attached to things like that. Or why two books? Like, why did you land on that? That's a good question. I don't know exactly why. <laughs> I, think, I think because the two of them are clear in my mind, like what I want to do with the next two. Huh? And, but I always had this thing, like as soon as I started writing, I knew that I didn't want to overdo it. Like I, di I didn't want to write a new book every year for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, that felt like, like if I do something like that, then I'll just end up repeating myself. And I, what I'd rather do is make sure that I write because I actually have something to say. Mm -hmm. And that felt really like important to stick to that because I feel like then I would, I think, serve my like audience better if I'm just like trying to do yeah, my best as opposed to just like creating more content sort of endlessly. Yeah. But yeah, I felt very sort of um, just calm about it because I, I, I'm not closing the door like, maybe I'll write a, you know, like a sixth or seventh book. I don't know, but I do feel like it's a time is coming up for me to take a little break and just like focus more attention. Like I've been putting a lot of energy into this company that myself and Jack Hornfield and um, our friend Bradley Horowitz, who he was a person that developed Gmail. Mm. We've created Wisdom Ventures and it's a fund that is focusing on investing in companies that are intentionally building their products in a compassionate manner. Um, so we're talking like, you know, building internet platforms that have the well-being of the user in mind. Mm -hmm. So we're talking like, you know, future forms of social media, oh. different wellness companies, just basically a lot of what we have now, but without all the shady stuff that happens in the background. So I've been oh. putting a lot of time into that. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Is that public knowledge? Do people know about that? That is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's public knowledge. It's um, yeah. It's a it's a venture capital company, but we're trying to like evolve venture capital so that we can scale compassion. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. So yeah. That kind of brings me to another question. I know this is probably a really weird one to answer or difficult to answer, but I, you know. I think about your place in the world. I mean, and you just kind of touched on that. Like, look at, look at through your words, through your work, what kind of partnerships are being created, the impact that you're going to be able to potentially make on, like you said, this massive global scale. Do you ever think back? Cause I think back to what you share about these, you know, horrifically painful times as a little boy. And then here you are in this kind of prime season of your life, offering mm -hmm. the way you are and people are receiving it and you're growing and everything's growing so much. Is your belief that like part of this, like you were supposed to do this, like, was this your divine purpose? Was this all planned like 30, 40 years ago, unbeknownst to you? And is that also a part of the next half of your life? Like, Mm, that's a really good question. You know what I mean? I do. I do. Uh, from sidelines, I'm like, oh, he was meant for this. This was part of the plan. He's part of history. Yeah. This is big. Like, but I just wondered how you see it. Yeah, I think it's a you're hitting on like a really deep philosophical question, right? And I think it's an important one to ponder. Yeah. I've thought about it a lot because I've seen a lot of lines on the internet, sort of people saying, you know, everything happens for a reason. Or, you know, what's meant for me will come will come to me. But I've always felt a little sort of uncomfortable with that idea because it makes for the primary actor to be too passive. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of creates the conditions for passivity. And mm -hmm. I find that when I've been meditating, like the law of cause and effect is real. Mm 
like every effect has a cause or multiple causes. And what that means is that like our actions matter a lot. And I think I had a real opportunity to go in different directions. I could I could have taken, you know, a really dark direction or I could take the one that I'm taking now trying to do my what you know what's best for myself, my family and to serve others. Um but I really feel like our actions make a big difference. I think in some ways, or I mean, I really believe in karma. Like, so I think, you know, there may have been a lot of karmic sort of energy going in one particular direction and certain, certain things were going to happen. But at the same time, like that free will is still there where you can create new karma and, you know, do wholesome actions that bring back more wholesomeness to you as well. So, yeah. That's cool. I love that. It's beautiful. Wow. That is so cool. I'm just uh, thinking a little bit about that. And I guess at the end of the day, with those choices, you are still human. Yeah. And and you, uh, as much work as you have done, I'm curious, because I think it'll be somewhat at least relatable for people who are comforting to them to know what part of yourself requires the most work or what part of yourself is the most challenging that you have to, at least at this moment, you're spending time on to work through or get through or, you know, battle a little to, to feel better yourself? Oh, that's a great question. I think like my, I think my, one of my biggest tasks is to really walk gently and I, I really try to hold myself to that because I used to be pretty rough as an individual, like rough with my words, like rough with like just my worldview. And um, what I feel now is like when I encounter individuals, like I really just want to treat them gently because like I don't know what's going on in their lives and let me just do my best to be kind and to just, you know, as opposed to creating tension like, may I bring harmony into the situations that I'm a part of? And that's something that like, I'm constantly kind of reminding myself of is like, may I bring harmony to whatever situation I'm a part of. But to do that, like I, you know, I meditate every day. And what I see is like, ego is always looking for an opportunity. It's always looking for opportunity to attach itself to something. And if I let it just attach itself to things, then my mind's just going to get heavier and heavier. So I'm really fortunate that at the same time that a lot of this success has come, I have this like really powerful meditation tool that is helping keep me grounded because I know, yeah, like I, I this moment has been one that's like, you know, surreal. It's been surreal having, you know, my book do so well and, um, and having life change so much. But at the same time, like, I also know that's impermanent and, and I'm going to do my best to serve people well but when the fame runs out, it runs out. Like, you know, so so and I, and I this happens to people all the time. So yeah, you know, from from when I started to now, I just I let myself keep training my mind so that I'm not coming from a place of ego, but I'm coming from a place of compassion. But that's like that's a long term project. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Well, I guess just lastly, because you you are touching so many people's lives and you are impacting others, and I'm just so happy that you are getting all these opportunities and 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 people are reading your word and whatnot. But like, what has it been like for you? Just you know, it must feel very rewarding to 
to hear the response and to get, you know, I'm sure you hear even personal anecdotes of how your your mm -hmm. work is changing lives, like literally. So what has that been like? I mean, knowing that you are making such important, you know, change. It's it's powerful. It's really inspiring. Like I saw and people, you know, they reach out to you in in indirect ways. So like when I saw this tweet the other day and it was like a day or two after I released my book. And this guy writes, not me tearing up while reading Young Pueblo's new book in the coffee shop. <laughs> and, you know, little things like that. And I'm like, wow, like, yeah. it's, you know, it's really reaching people. And, and it's beautiful just getting the opportunity to help people that I don't personally know, yeah. you know, that people that I, I, I don't have contact with them because it's one thing to you know, have that opportunity to help your friends and your family members and the people you know. But I'm I'm fortunate that I can extend that and you know, hopefully, write things that people find useful and that help them in in different ways as they're going through serious transformations. And the stories are, they're they're beautiful. I mean, people who've lost friends, people who you know are coming out of divorces, or people who are trying to like, you know, evolve into that next version of themselves. Like I've heard so many different stories and. It's really heartwarming. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's just so wonderfully digestible. And I know that was part of your intention from the beginning, but the way yep. that it is able to be consumed is so genius, both the social pieces and the book. And I've been dating someone for about a year now. And like, I can't tell you how many times we take your Instagram post and like, it's like our DM back and forth of the day, like, oh, <laughs> he's like, oh, I know, heart, heart. And we're like sharing your words all the time That's about so relationships nice. and mature partners and like how beautiful it is. But I was with him last night and we were, you know, talking about the fact that I'd be speaking with you today. And he looked at his own Instagram account and he's like, literally 50% of the people that he follows, you know, when you have like mutual. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You. Like it was like, He's like, of all the people he follows, like he's never seen any kind of like that number of the mutual wow. that that so many of his same people are following you. And then I went and looked, I'm like, same here. Like, it's just unheard of. You might have three people in common, but like, we're all, yeah. we're all on, the, on board, Diego. It's like, we are, we are here for it. That's incredible. Also shout out to your partner because, so I was, I was reflecting with a friend just the other day. So she, you know, a friend from, from high school and she's been to a bunch of my events. And I remember when I started having an events in like 2018, those events were like 90% women, you know, 90% women at the age of like average age 29 or something like that. But now it's different. There are guys there. And I actually got, you know, really excited about that because we need that. Like, you know, guys, guys have to do this work too. And I've always seen a lot of this sort of wellness, spiritual work, personal growth work. Women really lead in this work and men sometimes follow, but I'm happy that it's like, it's picking up and there are more men of like, you know, like I just did an event event in San Francisco and there's people there in their seventies and sixties and fifties and forties, thirties, twenties. And it's like, wow, this has really changed, but it's inspiring because like we all you know, can benefit from helping ourselves. Yes. The, the softening. There's like a, it's interesting because I know you've spoken on this and I, and I, I find that when I have conversations similar to this, I always kind of 
come back to, and I don't want to necessarily, this whole, the world is divided and the world is dark and everyone's suffering and everything seems like gloom and doom and like the the pandemic and the, you know, every, so the economics of the world, like it could be really bleak if we just focus mm-hmm. on it. But I mm-hmm. know that you you see it quite differently as a real opportunity. Like this is like an exciting time of history. And although in the short term, it feels a, a kind of way, it's actually maybe quite different because something's going on here energetically. Yeah, yeah there's something huge going on. And I think it's the primary thing that gives me hope because it, it does feel really daunting this period that we're in. And sometimes it's can it's can be so easy like to just feel really negative about it all. But what brings me hope is that there's actually a healing generation that's emerging. And when I say the word generation, I really mean everyone who's alive today. It doesn't matter how old you are, because all of us who are alive today have this incredible access to all of these healing tools. And I'm talking like, you know, whether it's Eastern, Western, indigenous, like there are just so many different healing modalities that are available to us than ever before. Like there are literally millions of people out there who are meditating, millions of people who are seeing therapists, like millions of people who are just like actively trying to find ways to heal their minds and hearts. And to me, that's so inspiring because what I have found to be pretty across the board is that if your self-love is really real, right? If your self-love is really growing, then that means that it's slightly opening the door to unconditional love for all beings. And I'm not talking perfect unconditional love. I'm talking it's opening the door to unconditional love to all beings because self-love makes you see yourself better. It helps you build compassion for yourself. And when you have that compassion for yourself, it's easier to, to spread that compassion to others, to see others through the eyes of compassion. So as your self-love increases, that means that you're just going to be a lot less interested in harming other people, mm-hmm. like just flat out. So if that happens to more and more people, that their self-love grows, that's just less people who want to harm others directly or indirectly. That's it. I want to jump through the Zoom and give you a hug, but I can't. <laughs> but I wish that I could. I cannot tell you how incredibly deeply grateful I am for you making the time. I know people are going to appreciate this conversation so, so, so much. And I just wish you the most love and the the best and brightest in all that you do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kat. And this is like, honestly, the the best convo. Like, it's so refreshing. Like, you're literally the best at this. (laughs) (laughs) I love you even more. I didn't even know it was possible. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And a reminder, you can catch a brand new episode of It Sure Is a Beautiful Day every Tuesday. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And of course, I'd love to hear from you. So leave me a rating and leave me a review. Also, follow us on social media for all the behind the scenes action and more info. That's at I am Kat Sadler on Instagram and at ABD with Cat. Talk to you next Tuesday. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.